Thank you so much. All right. Um, let's all stand together. We're going to go to God's word this morning. And right before we do that, is there anybody here, you've just been battling depression this week or oppression? Yeah, raise your hand and we'll just, Lord, uh, there's just a spirit of that going around in our land. And, and the enemy, it's almost like he, he knows he's on his last leg and he's trying to pull out all the stops and we just come against the evil one by the authority of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we come against that spirit of depression, that spirit of oppression. Lord, that spirit of suicide in this culture homicide in this valley. We come against it in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, to release the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit into every heart, every life. Come, Lord, we need you, not a little revival inside the church walls. We need the culture. We need society to be changed what Daniel was saying was we live in a post-Christian nation and we want to bring it back to where we are a Christ-exalting nation. Help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. I also want to pray right now for Karen Vlieger, who fellowships here with us, fell yesterday and broke her hip. And also Anna Arland, who lives in our senior apartments, who attends here, who fell yesterday and it says she hurt her hip. I don't know if it's broken, but Lord Karen and Anna, these precious ladies, we lift them to you, Lord. We ask for your healing power and virtue to flow through their hips right now and heal them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to John 17, first 12 verses today. And then next week, Pastor Rich Guerra will be here. And uh, he's the pastor I came here with 32 years ago. And he is now the superintendent over all of Southern California for the Assemblies of God. He oversees 450 churches. And he's going to be with us next week as we start our missions convention next week. So please come and be with us. And then the following week, I'm going to finish up John 17. But here we go. In the New Living Translation, first 12 verses of John 17, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they kept your word. They have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that it came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, 
because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me so they may bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of this holy word. You may be seated. Title of this message today, The Prayer That Jesus Couldn't Pray. The Prayer Jesus Couldn't Pray. Everybody say these three words that start with G, all right? Glorified, given, and guarded. Ready? Glorified, given, guarded. Okay. Those are the three things I want you to remember this week. If you can repeat that to somebody Wednesday afternoon of this week, we had a successful Sunday. Glorified, given, guarded. So I want to start this message today by asking you, have you ever been in love? Now, if we were to ask each woman today individually about the moment she knew she was in love, I believe every one of you ladies could tell us that story in living color. The guys, on the other hand, guys, wake up. Okay, if we could ask men that question, we would get a myriad of answers. And I think the number one answer would be, yep. <laughs> they might even give you two words. Oh, sure. Some of the most romantic types, though, could tell you in detail. Sean Silveri is our son-in-law. He married our daughter, Ashley. And he called us to set it all up, get her out of the house. He was flying into town, came to our house and got it all decorated, took rose petals in the walkway out of our backyard over to our pool is just strewn with rose petals. And she comes home and takes her out there and gets her to the end of the petals and gets on one knee and proposes to her. And I was just sitting there going, wow. So that's how you do it. Man, it was, it was really cool. He's a romantic. We all have <clears throat> casual acquaintances in our lives and we all have friends. And then you know how it happens. One day your friendship with the opposite sex, it develops into something deeper. And I have some good friends, uh, had dinner with them, lunch with them last week, and they um, knew each other for years and years and years. And then one day, uh, the man said, it was like scales fell off my eyes and I saw her more than just a friend. I mean, they were friends for 25 years. And then he saw her and he knew this is the girl I'm supposed to marry. And they are now happily married and they are pastoring a wonderful church in our city. When I met Pam, my wife, she was and is still to this day, drop dead gorgeous, the line, 
The line to her door was long, but I got in it and I waited my turn to take her out on a date. And the more I got to know her, the more I realized just how sweet and loving and wonderful and godly and beautiful and exquisite she was and still is to this day. I think, I think my love for her began the day I met her, but she doesn't want you to think I'm that shallow. So she doesn't want me telling that story, but I, I pretty much, wow, when I saw her, I, I just, well, let's just say from that day on, I was making up my mind and it didn't take long. I made up my mind, she's the one and I became relentless. You talk about the importunate Jewish woman mentioned in the Bible who had to go before that unjust judge. That was me. I was persistent. I wasn't going to give up. No way, no how. She was and she still is the only woman I've ever told I love you. And I, I, I mean the marrying kind of love. And when I said it, I meant, Pam, I love you. I'm dedicating the rest of my life to you. And I'm giving to you a lifelong commitment. That's why she's the only woman I've ever said that to. Now, listen, I love everybody in this congregation, but it ain't the marrying kind of love. It's the kind that, that's, that kind of love is reserved only for my darling. And the word darling means one and only. And isn't it great to have a darling in your life. Now, I cannot tell you how many guys cried the night I married her. But I was rejoicing, and I still am today, almost 46 years later. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, sadly, sometimes it would seem that love comes to an end in certain cases, but I am constantly reminding each and every one of you that God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit love you with an agape love that never diminishes and it will never come to an end. But many Christians erroneously think that our Lord's agape love for them actually had a beginning. Some think that he started to love you when you accepted him as your savior. And of course he loved you. But he loved you way before that. He doesn't love you more when you place your faith in him because he already loved you as much as he possibly could. Last week I told you that the father's phileo love for us grew when we accepted his son, Jesus Christ, into our hearts. He has always loved us because that's who he is. That's his nature. He, love is what defines him. God is love. There's no way he can do anything less. It's who he is. It's his character. But I just believe from the way John 16, 27 is written that we can now say God the Father who has always loved us now that we love his son, he also likes us. He likes us. 
It's a family kind of a love. There's a tender spot in his heart for those who accept his son. So don't get me wrong. I want you to understand today what we're looking into. Love can be tough. And God's love can also be very tough. Too many times I've done stupid stuff and he's had to discipline me. But once I get on the other side of that experience and look back, I'm so grateful that he loved me tough because it got me back onto the straight and narrow. It was an awful experience caused by my own poor choices. I wish I'd made better choices and now I am making better choices as a result of his tough love. So now I just put all of that in the category of experiences I've had that I wouldn't trade anything for because of what I've learned through the tough love of Almighty God. It's clear and it's true that Jesus loved us like Larry sang about today so incredibly. Thanks, Larry. We know he loves us. He went to the cross and he died for our sins. It's very clear. He loved us when he rose from the dead in triumph over our arch enemies, sin, the devil, death, the grave. But even before that, Christ loved us as he exited Mary's womb. And even though he was a newborn baby, he was already the Messiah. And even before that, the son loved us when he was with the father in heaven and he laid aside his eternal glory to come down to earth. He did that because he deeply loved all of us with his agape love. Now this morning we come to the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17. So for this one moment in his earthly life, he rolls back the veil that covers the agape love of the Father, the agape love of the Son, and the love they've had for us all the way back in eternity past. And in that eternity past, both Father and Son knew about you and loved you with this God-intensive agape love. So here's my point as I'm starting this message out today. The very essence of this prayer Jesus prays in this amazing few minutes gives us an up-close and personal look at his love. John 17 is like entering the Holy of Holies. You might want to slip off your shoes. We're headed to holy ground today. Today we see God who is Father, Son, and Spirit whose love never began for you because he has loved you eternally and his love for you will never end. God's love for you is eternal. Jesus will love you with his infinite, immense, immutable, agape love and that's gonna be forever. But don't take my word for it. Let me show you today where Jesus Christ prays this about you and it's in red letters in the Bible. That means Jesus spoke it. And his first petition in what I call the real Lord's Prayer, John 17, is not about you or me, but it's about his glory 
and the Father's glory. Point number one of my message today, Jesus prays about his glory. So that first word I want you to remember today is glorified. Say it with me, glorified. The first petition of Jesus to the Father is that the Father would glorify Jesus so that Jesus can glorify the Father. That's how Jesus starts his prayer. Father, the hour has come. You glorify the Son in order that the Son should glorify you. Now, we can certainly ask that God would use us to glorify himself and to glorify Jesus. But when Jesus is asking the Father to glorify the Son, he's asking to go to the cross. He's asking that he be the one to die for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. And this is all proven in that very first clause when he says, my hour has come. Remember, John chapter 2 says to his mom at the wedding, my hour hasn't come yet, mom. But today he says to his father, my hour has come. And he's referring to his death on the cross. So some people read this and they kind of think, wow, Jesus, that's kind of selfish of you to pray for, for glory, like as if he didn't deserve it. But friends, I want you to know this is the most selfless prayer. This is the most selfless petition ever prayed. Jesus is praying he would be lifted up on the cross so that everyone who looks to him in faith and his sacrificial excruciating death would be saved from their sins and be given the full righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus prays to glorify the Father through his death and resurrection. He explains more in verse four when he says, I, I have glorified, I have glorified you upon the earth, completing the work which you have given me to do. Jesus has his entire ministry in view. He's explaining in prayer that this is what he's been teaching the disciples. This is why he's been working the miracles his father assigned him to accomplish and why he has kept the disciples with him all of this time. Now there's one more work for him to accomplish to complete what God sent him here to do. And this is so certain in his mind that he will accomplish his atoning sacrifice on Calvary that he says the most painful, difficult aspect of the work has already been accomplished. There are things so certain in the plan of God that they can and must be considered accomplished even before they occur. I have a, a, a personal example about this. I was a youth pastor. I was in Los Angeles, had this young man in my youth group. He was 16 years old, and I think he was already 6'6", maybe 6'7". He's now 6'8". Uh, but at 16 years old, uh, he, was, he was a big kid, but he was a white kid. And we lived in a pretty 95% Latino city. 
That's where we ministered as youth pastors. The, uh, the marketplace, boys' marketplace, where you get your food. Uh, while we were there, they changed it from boys' market to El Mercado. So, I mean, it, everything. Boy, the uh, Rich Guerra, who will be here next week, he calls himself the white Mexican. And he always told me, Randy, stay close to me because Mexicans are going to take over one day and I'll make you a janitor. <laughs> so I have always stayed close to him, close to his side. But so this very tall, very big, very powerful young man, he kept getting jumped by a whole bunch of smaller uh, Latino young men, and he was so angry. Oh, he was so upset. Uh, he didn't want to fight them, but they'd, they'd come after him in, at school and at different places. And boy, he just developed this, this deep-seated um, bitterness towards Latinos, which, and by the way, he's married to a Latino, Latina now, because God touched his heart. But I remember uh, him just falling away from God, falling away from church and just not wanting to be there. And I called him up one day and I said, hey man, let's go to lunch. We did. And at lunch, I just said to him, Dave, bro, you gotta, you gotta pray in dad and mom. You'll never get away from God. Never. So I don't know. Run as far as you want to, do whatever you got to do. And I just, I just had this word from God right there at lunch. And I said, but not only will you never get away from him, but I'm certain that you're going to end up in the ministry. And today he pastors a church in Fresno, California. So praise the Lord. That's exciting. But it was in my mind, it was just a done deal. This young man was prime property for Jesus. And what was going to happen in his life had already been accomplished in the, in the annals of heaven. So here's what I'm saying today. Jesus had already accomplished while he's praying this prayer to his father. He knew that his death, burial, and resurrection was a done deal. Now for Christ's followers... Our salvation is already accomplished because Jesus has completed the work which his father has given him to do. Listen, if you place your trust in Jesus for your salvation, then it is so certain we can actually say it's fully accomplished because it's work that Jesus has certainly completed and it's the same with our entrance into heaven. Friends, I'm telling you, it's a done deal. It's been accomplished. Okay, I know, I know, we're not there yet. But what I'm trying to do is build your strength, build maturity in your walk with Jesus that you're gonna be okay as you continue to follow him. And that the work of Jesus Christ to bring you to heaven has already been accomplished. And it's been completed. He's done his part. Now, what are you going to do? Now, the final facet 
of this petition is that Jesus prays in verse five, and now Father, bring me back into the glory we shared before the world began. Bring me back into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus concludes his first petition to be glorified by asking the Father to restore the glory that he had before the world existed. This is the unique, indescribable glory shared amongst the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And only Jesus could make this petition. And for emphasis, he made it twice. He, he says it in verse one and again here in verse five because Jesus is the only one who had the glory already and he laid it aside. Laid aside his eternal, divine, majestic, all-powerful glory when Jesus laid aside his glory in a moment of time to become God in the flesh. This verse takes us back before the creation of the world into eternity past. Now, our minds can't conceive that. We can't keep going and going and going all the way back, trying to find the beginning, which was never there because God was already there. Jesus was with him in the fullness of his glory. And then what happened? Before the foundation of the world began, Jesus Christ laid aside his glory and was slain. He was slain before the world began. What could possibly motivate him to lay aside his glory and be slain? Friends, he did it for you. He did it for anyone willing to receive his eternal agape love. Now, somebody might ask, you know, and if God is all that that you're telling us about today, pastor, if he's so loving, why doesn't he just forgive everyone anyway and allow all of us entrance into heaven? Friends, that's a fair question. And the answer is no sin can enter the presence of the Father. Not even Jesus, when he became sin for us. That's why the Father had to turn away. And that question is very much, friends, like asking somebody who just got robbed, get over it, forgive them. Somebody murdered somebody you love, get over it. That's what that's like. It's like saying, what's wrong with you? Just, just love, just forgive. God forbid anybody listening here has ever been raped, but could you just imagine that? Just looking at that perpetrator and saying, oh, it's okay, it's no big deal. It's not your, you know. No, you, you can't go around in life saying, why can't we just all get along? You don't want a judge that's full of that kind of mercy that would let that perpetrator off and just slap the hand and say, don't ever do that again. No, friends, you have to know this. It's very important that you understand that Jesus does love you. And he certainly could have just phoned it in and never left heaven. But God the Father hates sin. So somebody had to come and appease the wrath of God against sin. And that could only be someone who was sinless 
And only one person who ever lived has pulled that off and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. And out of his love for you, those of you who believe in Jesus Christ, his love had no beginning and it will never end because he has accomplished the work that was expressed. His love of, for you and me was expressed when he went to the cross, died for our sins. The greatest thing about this prayer that Jesus is praying is that it's completely been fulfilled. Jesus Christ, the God-man, is now fully glorified with the Father, with the glory he had before the world began. He's been fully restored, and I would say that his glory has even been enhanced because of the amount of suffering that he endured. He is glorified also in that he now has the name above every other name. We call him Lord. Now that name is used for a lot of things, but if you really look at it, out of all the names of God, it's the highest name. He is the only Lord. And we all lovingly confess today, Jesus Christ is Lord. And we glorify the Father and we glorify Jesus and our knees are bowed today in glorifying him and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And friends, that particular day will happen because it's already been accomplished. Everyone will bow before the Lord. Point number two, he prayed for those he was given. Say the word given. Okay, that's about half of what said glorified. I've only lost half of you. Please say with me the word given. Thank you. The second petition is for the given. And I want to ask a question today. Is that you? Are you one of the ones he was given? In verse two, Jesus Christ prays, For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Did you see how many times the verb to give showed up in that one verse alone? Three different times. In the entire high priestly prayer, it appears 17 times. Now, I wish I had time to go through all 17 instances because they're powerful let alone how significant it is throughout the rest of the gospel whenever you come across that verb. But for today, let's just focus on one Greek word, didokos. Didokos, translated from the original Greek as whom you have given. So if you ever wondered if your name, if you're, you're mentioned in the Bible, your name is right here. You are... Didokus. I'd hate to think that anyone could just skim over this verse and think that maybe what the Father was giving Jesus were, were, were things, stuff, like a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. But that's not what he's giving him. What he's giving him are not gifts, but people, more specifically, those of us who have placed our faith In Jesus. Now, initially, the given people referred to in this passage are the disciples. 
with the exception of Judas, who is excluded from the given in verse 12. In fact, while we're reading this today, all of these 12 scriptures, we can restrict the given to the 11 disciples, all the way up to verse 22 and 24. And I want to jump there just real quick. Verse 22, it says, whom you have given, says that word didokos again, and it now is applied to every Christian. Jesus made that clear in verse 9 that he is only praying for didokos. He's only praying for those that belong to him. He's only praying for Christ's followers and anybody who's still on team world is excluded from this prayer that Jesus is praying. He says, my prayer is not for the world, but for didokos, those you have given me. See, friends, there's really only two teams, you know this. Which team are you on? Team world with the theme song, I did it my way. Hate that song. Or team didokos with the theme song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. See, the choice is really up to you. Now, is there anybody here today ready to switch teams? It can happen the moment you choose to go from team world to team those whom you have given me by putting your faith in Christ and confessing that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. Trust in Christ today. Come on, join the winning team. And be a part of those whom God has given to Christ. Jesus says that he was given authority over everyone, over all flesh, which includes the world and the given. But it's only the given that he uses this authority to give to them eternal life. Eternal life is one of those accomplished acts of the work of Jesus Christ for the given. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life as a present reality. Not the full measure of eternal life, not yet, but just think how amazing and wonderful it's going to be when God the Father and Jesus allow you into their spotless, sinless heaven. The given believe that the Father has sent the Son. Jesus has deposited the word of God with the initial given, 11, and now they pass the word down to us, and anyone who believes this word, you now get to join team given. Okay, this is really cool. I'm getting this from 22, verse 22 and verse 24. The Father and the Son have loved you, the given one, in the deepest eternity past, and the Father and the Son will love you with their immeasurable, constant, abiding love into the deepest times in eternity future. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate you in this time we're in. Nothing in all of eternity future can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. It's 
Brings me to point number three today. He prayed for us to be guarded. Will you say the word with me? Oh, thank you so much. The third petition and the final one today is that those whom you have given are guarded. Now, I've used three G's to try to make it easy for you to remember Wednesday afternoon. Somebody asked you, did you go to church this week? Yeah, did the, what did the preacher preach on? Uh, let's see. Oh, 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 yeah, three G's. Uh, come on. Glorified, given, and guarded. But the key word is really not guarded. The key word in this from the Greek, it's better translated kept. Although kept and guarded are synonymous. But guarded is used one time by Jesus about his protection of the 11 disciples. But the word he used more, four times more, for protecting us, those whom he has been given, is the word kept. And it's the better word. It just doesn't start with G. So that's why we're using guarded. Now, Jesus is praying for us, the given, to be guarded from the devil. In verse 14, he acknowledges that the world hates us, those of us that he's been given. But his main petition for protection is that we would all be protected from the evil one. How many of you know the devil wants to kill you? He does. He, he wants to destroy you. He wants to steal everything from you. It's no accident, folks, that 1 John ends with the command, children, guard yourselves from idols. Because in the midst of Satan's assaults, we might forget Jesus has already prayed for us to be kept for us to be guarded. And some people might think, well, you know what? In my life, at least, he hasn't answered that prayer. But friends, the Father answered all of the prayers Jesus prayed, including this one, that we would be protected from the devil. And you know how he answered that? With a resounding yes. His answer was a heavenly throne room thundering yes. The Father's answer was a, a threshold shaking, yes. Those we love, we guard from the evil plans of criminals. Isn't that correct? People you love, you want to keep them safe. How much more does the Father guard the given from the assaults of the evil one? If you only knew how many times he's kept you out of harm's way. Because Jesus prays that the given would be kept in the name of the Father. Nothing could be more loving or protecting than the name of the Father over us. This protection in the name of the Father is wrapped in total victory for the given because it says in that verse that we all know, 1 John 4, 4, children, you have complete victory over them because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. We're kept, we're guarded in the glorious, victorious name of God the Father and in the name of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, from the evil one. 
And Jesus has been given authority over all people. And he uses his authority to continually be about the Father's business. Think about it. 30 years in relative obscurity in a little village called Nazareth. And then three years in ministry. And now, 2,000 years as our glorified Messiah, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Do you think prayer might be a little bit important? Now, one would think that the, the second person of the Godhead wouldn't need to pray for crying out loud, he's God. But he emptied himself. He had a constant reliance, a constant dependency on his father. Don't you think we ought to be a people of prayer? Now, I want to encourage you to pray for uh, this new initiative we're trying to get past. Pastor Vic, God bless his heart, last Thursday night, he went to the school board meeting and uh, to represent dads in schools and to get this thing passed through. He sat there for four hours in order to get two minutes. And it just, they had so much going on. It just, it, it hasn't, happened yet, but I'm saying today, I want to say it just like this stuff right here, that we can, uh, all of us, hey buddy, you all right? You ready to give your heart to Jesus? All right. Amen. God bless you. Lord, everybody just point your hands towards this guy right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now. Bring deliverance to his heart and to his life. In the powerful name of Jesus. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Stay with it. <laughs> so let's pray right now. I want to pray about this initiative, Dads in Schools. Father, I, I think it's already done. I think it's already been accomplished, but there, we still have some hoops to jump through. Father, we pray that you will bring this to pass. Lord, we're not looking for a, some little revival inside the church walls. We're looking for culture to be transformed, society to be transformed, that we would go back to being a Christian nation. And that you would pour out your spirit on every school campus in this valley in Jesus' name. Now let me give you one final thought for today. Jesus was constantly in prayer during his ministry. He would often go alone in the mountains to pray. And as often as Jesus prayed, he never recorded, it's never recorded anywhere in the scriptures about him, what he prayed with when he was with the disciples, other than when they were in the upper room, he blessed the bread and the cup. Orthodox Jewish folks would know exactly what Jesus prayed at that time because the prayer of blessing the bread and the cup has been handed down throughout the generations from the Passover table. I'm sure Jesus prayed over the meals that he had with the disciples. 
Uh, we do see an example of that at the feeding of the 5,000. We just don't know exactly what that prayer was because it's not recorded. There's no recorded prayer that Jesus prayed with the disciples throughout all of the scriptures. Now, it, how many of you right now are saying, hold on a minute, pastor, you're wrong. What about the Lord's prayer? Well, we're looking at the Lord's prayer today. John 17, this is the Lord's prayer. What we all call the Lord's prayer is the prayer that Jesus could never pray. Jesus prayed selflessly for his own glorification. He knew that the greatest glorification would come with the greatest suffering. And our glory that we receive in heaven, ladies and gentlemen, will be directly related to how much we suffer for and with Jesus while we're here on earth. So in praying for his glory, he knew he was praying about the cross. Then he prays for us, those he's been given, and that we would be guarded and that we would be kept. But Jesus would not and could not pray the Lord's Prayer, the prayer he taught us to pray, honestly. I think it's really better that we refer to that prayer as the disciples' prayer. And there are two elements of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus could not pray. The first element is that first word, our. Our Father. While Jesus prayed to the Father and taught us to pray, to God by calling him Father, Jesus, as God the Son, had a relationship with the Father that is in every possible way greater than any relationship any of us could ever have with the Father. Jesus never equated his relationship to the Father with ours. He had his own, unique, special. So he would never pray our Father. He is the eternal God. We are temporary. We are frail. We are mortal. We are fragile. We are sinful. We cannot, we will never have the same relationship to the Father as the eternal, sinless, perfect Logos, Jesus, who is Lord of all. So he couldn't pray our Father. Secondly, he couldn't pray, forgive us our trespasses because Jesus never sinned. He had no debt to pay to God. He had no trespass. He had ever spoken, thought, accomplished. Jesus was perfect. Jesus, <laughs> oh, friends. He had no reason ever to say, forgive us our debts. He never prayed what's known as the Lord's Prayer. So, even though we pray a little differently than Jesus, no one prays more than Jesus. Jesus. He couldn't pray the Lord's Prayer, and we can't pray the high priestly prayer. Listen to me very carefully. God has loved you with an immense, unrelenting love from all eternity past, and he will love you till all eternity future. 
Now, some people still today might claim, you know what? There's no way Jesus loves me from eternity past. I don't know why you would believe that. It's really true, but okay, maybe you don't believe that. But we know that God knows the end and the beginning, but more than that, Jesus is the alpha, he is the omega, he is the beginning, he is the end, and he's everything in between. So his immense, gracious, merciful, persistent, agape love for you will be with you for all eternity. Not only are you the given, you're also the guarded, and you're in the protection of the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So walk in comfort, walk in courage, walk in complete and total victory in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we just humble ourselves before you right now. Lord, we, we thank you for your love. Thank you that you have loved us from eternity past to eternity future. People that don't receive your love and your forgiveness end up in a Christless eternity in hell without you, they'll still know that your love is there. They'll just be so sad that they never reciprocated, that they didn't say, I need you, Jesus, in my heart. I need you in my life. Help me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I want to be one of those you have been given. Dedocus. I want to know that back then when John the Apostle was recording this prayer that you were praying, it may have been the last thing you did in the upper room. It may have been what you were already praying at Gethsemane that night, that torturous night when all the disciples scattered. But John heard it and he wrote it down for us. And the Holy Spirit brought back to his remembrance everything that you prayed. And Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that everyone that hears this message today will be someone that Jesus prayed for in John 17 because he prayed for those whom would be given to him. give ourselves over to you right now. Father, we Americans, I don't know, we may face suffering one day. We may face deep persecution one day. If we all go to heaven right now, having faced what we've all faced, we're, we're probably last in line probably last in the glory line because we're last in the suffering line. But Lord, you know our hearts. We're willing to suffer for you. We're willing to
do whatever it takes, not only to live for you, but Lord, we're willing to die for you if that's what it takes. And Lord, we pray for all those precious folks in the Ukraine right now. Lord, we pray for those suffering in North Korea, our brothers and sisters under great persecution. Lord, we pray for those in Iran. We pray, Lord God, for those in Afghanistan right now, Lord. So many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering. All the glory they will receive. And Lord, thank you that we will receive glory. You're so willing to to share not not exactly your glory with us, but the glory of heaven, the glory of being in relationship with you. And we're so grateful for that. Lord, help us to go out and spread this message today. Help us to find those whom have been given to you. And Lord, thank you for protecting us, guarding us, keeping us against the onslaughts of the evil one. All over this valley, there has been violence. All over this valley, there have been situations that you've protected us from. And we're really, really very, very grateful. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for equipping us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us the privilege to be servants of the living God, workers in the harvest field. Show us, Lord. Teach us. Help us. Even this Friday night, Lord, I do pray that uh, in this evangelistic outreach, in-reach, Lord, that, that we'll have people who come this Friday night and that they will give their hearts and their lives to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for this young man that was here this morning. Oh, God, get a hold of his heart. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. Louis, would you lead us in a chorus?
the praise. 